Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Mayor Gupta. He's the chief marketing officer of Freshly. Prior to Freshly, he was the global VP for growth and marketing at Spotify, where he was responsible for growing the free and subscribed user base for the company. Prior to that, has spent stints at Kimberly Clark, as well as Sapient. He's an engineer and a master's in computer science, so it's a fresh perspective that we haven't necessarily heard from on the show. And today we get into what he thinks about marketing, where it's going, a little bit more about Freshly and their mission to deliver food and wellness to people. Over 100 million people is their target. And I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Mayor. Well, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. So um, Mayur Gupta, I'm the chief marketing officer at Freshly, which is a wellness platform with a clear mission to make eating healthy a lot easier for people. Welcome to the show, Mayor. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me. We've got a lot to talk about today, but let's start with uh, you growing up and going to school in India. What do you What do you remember most fondly about that? Yes, of course. Well, um, a lot of uh, fond, uh, lifelong memories of my family still back there, and a lot of my childhood friends are there and doing fantastic. And I honestly remember everything from my 
elementary school to my undergrad to grad days in college, uh, definitely a lot of cricket and tennis. And, uh, you know, I feel um, India has, of course, grown as an economic powerhouse. And at times I feel I wish I was born at this time in India. The kids are the kids coming out of school and college today are fearless. You know, they're ambitious and they have a purpose. And in many ways, I find they are born entrepreneurs in some incredible companies like Flipkart and OEO that have become global phenomena. You know, I've come out of there with very young people. And, you know, but I, at the same time, I also sometimes I feel um, countries like India where we we obviously have a very high population. Sometimes the number of people exceed the kind of professional opportunities you get. So from a very young age, you get into this competitive environment where you, you know, it's a race for survival. And so you kind of train yourself like that. But sometimes it's good and bad. But it, being an immigrant here in the U.S., I, I obviously learned a lot and have a lot of appreciation and gratitude. But, you know, one of the topics that often come up when I'm talking to other of my friends who've moved or others is is how in countries when you have too many people, there's this sense of corruption and and a political environment, even though that's mm-hmm. not the core of this conversation. But right. America used to be and still is a, a dreamland for many people. And when I grew up, it was the same. What I realized was countries like India I feel the corruption is visible, right? It's in your day-to-day life and Mm -hmm. um, it impacts people in what you do every single day, but it's localized, you know, it is in that country. I feel that in, in more developed countries like the US and UK and others now having been here, and I'm part of the system, by the way, so I'm not talking as an outsider, but rather an insider. I feel that Corruption is more systematic, you know, it's invisible and it is more organized. And we mm-hmm. talk about that often here in our healthcare. And I feel that the impact of some of the decisions we make is not just localized. As a matter of fact, it's more global than what happens in some of the other countries. So not the answer you were looking for, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's yeah. it's so true. And, I, you know, I, we were talking earlier and I had never thought about the connection between the visible and invisible corruption because you, most people, you know, I grew up in the United States, so, you know, it's one point of view, but you think of this place um, as a land of opportunity, right? We were taught from an early age that you can achieve the American dream, um, although that's changing, but there's so many people nowadays that are disenfranchised here. And to your point, it's likely because the system is rigged in some ways against them. Um, but it's invisible. You know, it's not, it's not just making sure that you, uh, you pay off your teacher to get a good grade. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, even it's though that more, may happen now. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Or get into a, a an yeah. elite institution. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, it's, you're, you're so true. It's so true what you just said. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I, I can imagine you know, um, growing up in another country, a developing country, um, it leaves you with a drive, like you described, that um, it's probably propelled you through your career. So let's let's kind of start there. Where did you start your career, and what's been the path to become CMO at Freshly? Yeah, so the path, of course, now looking back, uh, seems like a you know, of course, a fantastic journey and full of mistakes and a lot of lessons learned and. In many ways, I, I often call my journey as quite accidental, uh, simply because I was never meant to be a marketer and I, you know, never studied marketing. I, I grew up as an engineer. I did 
computer science. I did my, you know, master's in computer science at home in India and um, writing code. And for the first many years, did exactly that and quite shit code sometimes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, interestingly, and I was, I used to work at a company called Sapien, which is now part of Publicis. And, you know, back then it was one of the, one of the largest uh, digital um, agencies slash partners uh, and so on. So the, the interesting part in my journey was uh, when I gradually got into product development from pure technology, um, sometimes in the mid-2000s, when Sapien acquired a company called PGI. And that really got me into this world of ad tech and marketing tech and more from pure tech to building products for the world of you know marketing and advertising. And since then have gradually taken baby steps to get into the center of marketing. And, and coincidentally, uh, the world of marketing itself has been evolving, you know, from the pure days of Mad Men, where marketing was all about pure instinct and irrationality and creative and funny, to today where marketing is accountable, you know, measurable, addressable. It has way more meaning and purpose. So I feel that those two things just organically connected for me and it wasn't a conscious choice. And um, yeah, so it's, it's very exciting to be here. And and um, I last thing I would say is throughout my career, I've grown up with tech and data and science. The world has been binary for me. But the last uh, five or six years of my experience has really taught me that the world isn't binary and uh, the world of marketing isn't binary. Uh, it just not It just is not about what works and what doesn't work. There is... The irrationality, the serendipity of marketing should never go away. So while we often talk about data, there's a there's a thin line between being data-driven versus being data-inspired. And I'm on that journey now just as an individual, as a marketeer. Of how do you balance that? How do you balance that underlying cultural and humane impact with the tangible impact on business, tangible impact on growth and people's lives? Hmm. I, I, that's it. very true. Very true. And something we should keep at the forefront of what we do as, as marketers. Um, I know, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about a couple of stops that you've made along the way on your way to Freshly, you know, so you, I think it was moved from Sapient to, and I may have this out of order, but Sapient to Kimberly Clark. So I'd love to know about that transition. And then, um, and then uh, how you found yourself at Spotify and then, you know, what brought you to Freshly, if you don't mind? Sure, sure. No, I mean, just a few months back, I had this opportunity to share a little bit of this journey, which um, which is quite embarrassing, uh, not because it's anything special, but because there was nothing special. Uh, so it took me a while to put it together. So the way I was thinking about that when I shared it uh, three months back was Sapien was almost like a gym for me, or I was learning how to, learning the craft of everything, and um, so in many ways, besides that one pivotal point where I got from pure tech to product development and ad and advertising and marketing, I feel the key pivotal point for me was this trans- transition from Sapien to Kimberly Clark, to corporate America, Fortune mm-hmm. 100. And um, I think it was an interesting and disruptive role as a chief marketing technologist sitting at the center of a CMO and a CIO. And I, I learned a tremendous lot. But in many ways, the big transition that happened in myself as a professional was I felt for the first time I had a point of view um, or the situation forced me to create a point of view and a perspective, which I never had earlier. 
And uh, at the same time, it also gave me a lot of courage that uh, what was more important always was to have a perspective. And there was no perspective which was right or wrong because it was just mine, as long as I believed in it. And I feel that that I can, if I'm plotting my career uh, on a graph, it will have a, a pre-perspective or a pre-point of view stage and a post-point of view stage. Mm -hmm. And that's been such a learning, you know, just a tremendous thing for me, uh, not just in a professional life now, but as an individual as well. And then I think the last stop was, um, and I'll, I would love to talk a lot more about Freshly, but it was, yeah. there was so much that I learned uh, at Spotify and which is now, uh, um, you know, together with the rest of the leadership team, uh, with all their experiences, we are now bringing uh, at a fantastic place called Freshly. But my big takeaways from a wonderful place like Spotify was one, and this was a transition from, imagine Fortune 100, Kimberly Clark, 150-year-old company, and and one of the most disruptive brands called Spotify. So what I took away was that the only moat that you have in the world today as an organization is speed, is your ability to move and test faster than the competition. And and when you do that, there is meant to be chaos. You know, there is there is meant to be th this chopping and changing of ideas of strategy. And what I learned was the the, the goal is not to kill that chaos. The goal is not to bring calm, but is how you harness that mm -hmm. chaos. And the only reason and the only way you can actually do that is when you focus on the internal culture, is the power of the people inside the organization. How do you build that trust, the transparency, you know, where there's no anxiety, you know? And uh, so that was my biggest takeaways and is how do, you, how do you harness chaos to drive scale growth? And how do you not worry about day two problem and just focus on day one? So all of that led me to Freshly, which which I, I deeply uh, am connected with the, with our purpose and mission, which is to change human life uh, because uh, there is so much happening in our life, which is crazy and chaotic. And we believe that nutrition is the single largest influencer of your well-being. And it's one area which has been most underpenetrated. Uh, and that's where we are playing. And uh, it's a blank canvas. We are a fast-growing company. We've been here for the last four years with the founders, Mike and Carter. And uh, I feel super excited about the mission on one hand of what we are trying to accomplish with impacting 100 million lives. At the same time, it gives me a blank canvas to draw mm -hmm. the blueprint for marketing, you know, the way I, uh, I envisioned over the years. Nice. Well, tell listeners that... Um, we have listeners all around the world, so tell the listeners what Freshly is and um, and where they can find it today. Yeah, so in a nutshell, you know, we are a wellness platform that is centered around nutrition, mm -hmm. and um, our mission is to remove uh, all and any kind of barriers from healthy eating. So it's you know it's fundamentally to democratize healthy eating because we believe that's core to our well-being. So we are an online subscription platform. You can download the app freshly. It's it's available in the United States right now. And we obviously have a vision someday to go global. But right now there is there's a lot to do uh, in this country. So it's an online platform. You can go to freshly.com or you can download the app. And it's a weekly subscription model. So you get a box. You can choose to get four meals, six, nine, or 12. Uh, the fundamental difference uh, and what makes Freshly unique is that this is fully prepared meals, non-frozen, 
healthy and delicious at your doorstep. So uh, there's no cooking needed at all. It's three minutes. Choose your methodology to heat it up and eat it. And, um, you know, if you, Alan, I'm sure you've seen this, that historically healthy eating does not coincide with delicious eating right. or delicious meal. <laughs> Um, or if it is both of that, then it is not economical. Or if it is economical, then it's not accessible. So the core of Freshly is the intersection of convenience, health and taste, and access slash affordability. And, and that's why I often share with others that the hard work for Freshly has already been done by the team uh, and the founders. And my job is, is a lot easier, is just to now take the core product and, uh, and take it to 100 million people. So, so that's what Freshly is. Yeah, it's very excited about where we are headed and a lot more to come there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I have got to try it out um, because the convenience factor of it just being ready to eat um, is it's a big one for me. It's, um, it's a no-brainer. And right. you know, if you have children, I oh. cannot tell you how <laughs> crazy your mornings are. Yes. And at least twice a week, my kids now take their own favorite dishes. Of course, you know, they, they don't like everything, but they have their own favorite ones and they just take it and they take it to school. They heat it up. And from me and my wife, the reason why we don't hesitate is because we have so much confidence in what they are eating now, even more so than what we cook at home. Right, right, right. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, I would consider you a quote unquote young CMO. I hope that is an okay moniker to, to label you with because <laughs> um, you have reached the CMO position really early in your career. I think first at health grades, which we, we didn't talk about, but, and now again at Freshly um, and you've been a marketing executive for, for many years. How, you know, do you think that this, the fact that you're younger earlier in your career, achieving these levels of success has that changed your approach or your perspective on the job itself at all? Yeah. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'll say young, but I'll take younger. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, I'll take it any day. But uh, honestly, Alan, I'm not sure if age necessarily change, changes much uh, mm -hmm. because uh, to be quite candid and honest, everything I have learned about marketing is from my leaders that I've had over over, over the years who've been around for so many years. So I've been very fortunate like that. But I would say that this generation of marketers or CMO, you know, they are coming into marketing with no baggage, you know, or mm -hmm. if I may call the mad men baggage or, or mm -hmm. in other words, there is less to unlearn uh, as a marketer if you're coming into that space today because otherwise i feel marketing has to go through a journey of unlearning you know it's marketing has to stop marketing that's the biggest challenge that marketing and marketers have but the core dna of the generation today in general you know is of young people like it revolves around proving impact you know impact to people's lives impact to the world impact to business they live a social and always on connected life and so it's it's you know whereas 8 years back or so we were having conversations where marketers were trying to figure out so-called digital, right, or mm. social, and what are these? These became bolt-ons, whereas the generation today, well, these words, the vernacular doesn't even exist because, you know, you're not doing digital marketing. You're, you're marketing and living in a digital world. So fundamentally, that is, that is definitely uh, different. From my standpoint, 
especially as an engineer as well and, and a bit of a misfit in marketing, I've kind of realized that my core focus and the belief in marketing is centered around driving growth and that you market to grow. And if you're not driving that impact, then there's no reason for you to exist. But my definition of growth, though, is not limited to just the quantitative numerical growth. I define growth as growing the brand, growing the user base, and growing the user value. So it's the intersection of, it's a Venn diagram where these three become inseparable. Mm -hmm. And some people may call it, well, uh, the brand marketing versus performance marketing or, or, you know, or retention marketing. But at the end of the day, it is, it is the underlying foundation of a cultural uh, and a purpose-driven brand, which then drives you to grow the user base and create new demand for, you know, with audience that don't even know that you exist or sometimes your product, sometimes a category. And then the virtue of growing the user value is the only way you can drive any kind of retention or lifetime value because the consumer today has so much choice, so much access that you cannot take loyalty for granted. You have to work hard at it. And the only way you get that is when you challenge yourself to add incremental value every single time you engage with that user one more time and one more time. And I think Amazon's been a great example of that. And we challenge ourselves every day at Freshly to imbibe those principles. Got it. Well, one of the things you mentioned earlier uh, was your technical background, the fact that you're an engineer, master's in computer science, and you're, you've you've been, I guess, coined as a marketing technologist uh, at some points in your career. How, as a CMO now, how do you stay current in all that's changing? Um, it just seems like there's constant change and flux. There is. There, there is a lot happening, and it's, it's, it's good and bad. On one hand, it's exciting uh, to see all the innovation happening uh, around us and uh, a lot of great ideas, a lot of great companies, a lot of great technologies and I often say that disruption that's happening is much faster than the pace at which the organizations are able to adopt and evolve. Mm. And because of that, I, you know, while all that greatness is happening around us, um, I still feel that 80% of that is underutilized. You know, it's uh, when you really peep in and see what brands and organizations are doing, it's a bit of a hammer situation where everything looks like a nail. And <laughs> I think it requires a, a fundamental shift as a technologist, where we have to hold ourselves accountable to, to the measurable impact that we are creating to the business, to the experiences we are delivering for consumers. And in other words, it's a, it's a shift from the adoption and the build-out of technology to the application of technology to change life. Hmm. And that is still the gap. And I see that every day in our business, uh, in what we are doing, and, and um, oftentimes... You know, technology is no longer the limiting factor, but it's how much are we able to apply it? How much are we able to connect it with data and our understanding of the user, with other elements of marketing from content to storytelling? And now... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It is this complex world, complex and fragmented world of marketing that now has to be stitched together to deliver that ultimate experience, which is no longer abstract. It is real. It is personalized. It is relevant because that is what will inspire human behavior. So I feel that my, you know, in, in, in my basic ways, my tech background helps me to put that systems context together, mm-hmm. you know, and the systems thinking that can take you from top down and a bottom up approach. So, and I enjoy that. I think I would say that marketing today is complex and uh, we, It'll be good if we don't make it complicated, but it is complex uh, with all the channels and touch points. And it's fun to try and stitch it all together, putting the consumer in the center. Gotcha. Well, as you look at the the complexity and the, the just state of MarTech and ad tech today, what, how would you describe the state of, of that, that part of the ecosystem, if you will? I think this, I mean, it's a lot happening, a lot happening there. And uh, some things are, are coming along. Some things are still huge challenges. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk around privacy and fraud and transparency. And mm-hmm. uh, I was just reading some new updates from Facebook last week. And I was talking to somebody the other day about, just as an example, uh, about data. And my perspective on that, just picking that up as one of the topics, was... Um, on one hand, sec- securing your personalized information, your personal data, that's table stakes. There's no, there should never be a question about that, that, hey, how ad, the world of ad tech and marketing tech has to ensure that. That is unquestionable. The part that is questionable is, should the data be leveraged by these platforms, by these companies uh, to do something with it? And my response to that is, especially for the millennial and the, you know, the Gen Ys and and Z's and whatever alphabet we are on now, is that for me personally, I'm okay if you want to leverage my data as long as I can see a tangible value coming back to me, right? And But I'm not okay if you leverage my data for your own benefit and nothing comes back to me. So I'm absolutely fine when Netflix is, is understanding, measuring, and watching what I'm watching because I know that they will use that data and my behavior to elevate my experience when I come back the next time. And I'm totally fine mm-hmm. with that. Or, or somebody knowing what my needs are because they are going to get me uh, or they are going to be able to fulfill my need even before I know I need it. So those are incredible places. And I, as a millennial, I'm totally fine sharing it as long as I see the value coming back. But I think that's my point about marketing tech and ad tech. The focus should be not just in the act of producing more technology, but it should be in the process of understanding how technology will solve human behavior, how technology will solve the gaps we have in our daily lives. And it, it seems like there in the landscape today, there, there, there are solutions that do exactly that. Um, and there are good, good actors, but there's as many, uh, it seems like vaporware or threats around the corner 
uh, how, you know, what do you see as the biggest threats for marketers or brands as it relates to technology? I think specifically around technology, I feel the biggest challenge, uh, I'm not sure if it's threat, is going to be fragmentation, you know, and, and the need for mm, convergence. Yeah. And uh, of course, look, it's uh, cybersecurity, data, all those things are there totally. And, and I'm sure that uh, with, with today's consumer, the, with the voice and the power the consumers have, you know, we'll keep addressing it. But I feel at a more fundamental level, um, marketing has to understand that the real experiences happen in the absence of silos. And um, today we are living in a world centered around channels and touch points and not really centered around the human and the consumer or the consumer experience. And I feel that's the journey forward. And I also feel that purely from a marketeer and marketing standpoint, um, the academia has to evolve. You know, marketing as a function has to evolve because the, the expectation that leadership and organizations and the CEOs have, the expect, expectations that the consumers have can no longer be fulfilled by this vertically siloed function of uh, traditional marketing. Marketers today have to understand data, they have to understand finance, they have to understand technology, of course, they have to understand and master content, storytelling, and sector. But the experiences you deliver are no longer in any one of these silos. They happen at the intersection. And that's the bar that marketers and all of us have to set for ourselves. What would you, if you, you know, we're thinking about academia as one example, you know, these ed educational institutions. What would, what would it look like if they were training the future marketer? in your mind like, what do you have any visions for that yeah yeah i mean think beyond the the um you know the academic definitions of four a's and four p's and mm -hmm. um uh, but but think about like i i almost think it's instead of masters and and undergrad in marketing you should be doing masters in consumer experiences you know, mm -hmm. undergrad and yeah. consumer experiences. And look, I'm, I'm saying it, I never went through that. I went through a very right. tough journey to figure things out. And that's why perhaps um, I'm areas behind a lot of other great leaders out there. And I'm, I was slow to everything. But I feel that, that in the world today, knowledge and, and technology and capability is table stakes. You know, you, mm. you, you're walking around, you, you tap on your watch or don't even tap these days and just, just ask through a voice command whatever question you need. The focus is that critical thinking. How do I apply all of these things to, to deliver experiences that will change people's lives? You know, when, when Uber came out, the technology wasn't, it, it wasn't like, like you were taking a rocket ship to, to the moon and bringing them back <laughs> straight on. Yeah, it was simple. You know, right. taking, getting somebody a car to go from place A to place B. But it was a critical thinking that there was a gap in human life that technology could solve and rather simple technology could solve through a very simple experience. And I feel that that, that kind of critical thinking should happen up front from the very beginning. And I'm seeing that, I see that with my daughters. I have two daughters, nine and a half and five and a half and they're still very early on, but I'm starting to see that, you know, in the world of academia is how they're challenging mm -hmm. them to think very differently. It's no longer what I went through, which is very bookish knowledge. I had to mug up everything. Right. And I understood probably 10% of what I went through. Right, right. No, it's it's very true. Very true. I have an 11-year-old and she's at a school that 
um, teaches kind of project-based learning approaches. And uh, there, I wish I had been taught that way, yeah. frankly. <laughs> yes. um, because it's teaching them how to learn, not just teaching them the facts that they the, need to Absolutely. Learn. And that's a beautiful way of saying that. Yes, it is, it is the art of learning because that never ends, right? And that is right. what keeps you young and that you never cease to learn throughout your life. Right, right, right. Well, I, we'll call you the younger CMO, but not only are you a younger CMO, you've managed to make it into the boardroom, um, which is like, I've, I do a lot of work with CMOs uh, um, through an organization called the CMO Club, and this is an ongoing topic. And you've already achieved it at an early state in your career. You know, what, how do those opportunities come about? And, and more, maybe more important is what have you learned from it and how does it help enhance your job as a CMO? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not exactly sure how they came about. Of course, I was, I was approached, um, in some cases by, um, some exec recruiters in some other cases, some relationships that they formulate into these, you know, into these opportunities. And, uh, but I'm, sometimes I credit, some of the things that I've written, which haven't quite made sense, uh, but I think they do, they do get you higher up in search engines. I guess is is the, <laughs> is the only way I'll put it. But 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 I've learned a tremendous lot um, from these opportunities. Of course, when you're sitting in a boardroom, um, you are surrounded by some incredible thought leaders, uh, some incredible leaders who are running the organizations. And what I learned over the years, Alan, was this understanding that no matter who you are and what vertical are you operating in, CPG to entertainment to healthcare, and no matter how big or small you may be, the kind of challenges and the opportunities that every organization face nine or 10 times is exactly the same. Hmm. Everyone is struggling with fragmentation. Everyone is struggling with this mindset to move faster and everyone is struggling to figure out how do we become fearless while everybody wants to have the appetite to take risk everyone there is a lot of fear especially when you're a successful business so how do you balance that conundrum of moving fast and, and experimenting and testing but also not putting your business at risk which has been so successful so i mean so what that leads me to is what I learn in a boardroom, I bring back, you know, in my world at Freshly. What I learn at Freshly every single day, I try and take that back into those boardrooms. And, and this is, this, again, this is this constant journey of testing and learning and applying. But another way of saying that is the moment you put the consumer at the center, your, your challenges and opportunities become very consistent. They are industry agnostic today. Interesting. Interesting. Very articulate, you know, the fragmentation, the mindset to move faster and this notion of trying to drive more fearlessness. Um, those are, I can see that. I can see it applying to almost every single business. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, you know, one of the things I love to do is to dig a little deeper on the individual that it comes on the show. And I love asking this question, which is they're an experience is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yes, m many. And I think we will have to do three more podcasts to go through those. <laughs> <laughs> but but if, I have to, um, if I have to summarize what 
um, what represents uh, or what I represent or you know what I reflect. Uh, I can I can boil it down to uh, you know my my Buddhist philosophy, which my wife uh, introduced me to back in two thousand six. Um, you know, and my mentor Dasoku Ikeda, who's you know who's a world leader in Japan, but he's really taught me, along with twelve million other people who practice this life, beautiful life philosophy, that you know life is life is cause and effect, and um, you know, and everything we have in our life, our surroundings, our environment, our work, our families, is a reflection of our inner self. And if I ever have to change that that transformation begins from within and not without. And as a kid, as a kid growing up in India, you know, with, with all kinds of different philosophies and religions, I always grew up with this mindset that uh, this mindset of believing in destiny and that I was born with one and uh, I just had to let things happen. But this life philosophy has totally changed that in my mind where, where it believes that uh, my present is a manifestation of my own actions in the past. And my future is no longer a mystery. It's a manifestation of the actions I take today, which means that only I am responsible for my past, present, and future. At the same time, this philosophy gives me the courage and the wisdom and the compassion to, to transform the effects of my past causes with what I can do today. And I kid you not that every day at work, I challenge myself to apply these Buddhist principles you know, of courage and compassion and <laughs> When I make a mistake, it gives me the courage to realize that, yes, I made a mistake. And what am I going to do to make it better? How am I going to be the person who will not complain and point finger, rather figure out how do I take responsibility of that, you know, or for something. So so that's that's the core and for me and my family and uh, across the board, even in India. And uh, we love that. A lot of appreciation and, and gratitude every single day. I love that. I love that. And I... Do you feel this transformation you've gone through? It seems like it would make you much more present in every moment um, if you're you know, disciplined about it. Is, is that the right way to, to think it, about your every day? It is. It is. And in fact, you said it beautifully. You know, in, in Buddhism, we say it's from this moment on. Mm. And uh, it is a focus on what you can do right now for yourself and for the environment around you, which includes people and, and everything. But yes, it is, it, it is all about, uh, it's a, the philosophy centers around faith practice and study. And those are the three key pillars, but yes, it's all about how do you transform your present? Hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, what fuels you? What keeps you going? Um, a lot of things like <laughs> many of us, but I'm sure like, like all of us, uh, everything centers around, your family, you know, my daughters, my wife, uh, my family, my dad back home, back home. So they definitely are the nucleus of everything, uh, everything I am. And I'm sure you probably would say the same about uh, your family. But what I really am appreciative about is, is what is around that, you know, these are in these concentric circles. So I truly enjoy what I do at work and professionally. And uh, I'm, I'm loving our mission at Freshly. I live and breathe that. Uh, I love the team. I love what we're building together. So, so that's the other part is, is my work is not work for me. It's not a burden. Uh, it is what I truly enjoy and, and I get excited about. I, um, obviously, what gets me going is some of the other things I love doing in life, which is tennis and cricket and, 
at one point as a kid, like as every one of the billion kids in India, I wanted to play for the country until I realized <laughs> that <laughs> that couldn't happen. And, uh, and then I started playing here in the U.S. until my wife realized that that cannot happen either because I was spending the whole weekend on a cricket ground. <laughs> so that's when that's when shifted gears to tennis. So now I do play two, three times a week. You know, that is uh, my daughter's play. So it's fun playing with them and my other friends. So that's what gets me going as well. And, you know, just uh, everyday battles uh, in life. And uh, I should share on this podcast that we live in Chicago, but for Freshly and for Freshly's mission, we are now moving to New York, finally. <laughs> and uh, hopefully this is our last pit stop uh, for many, many years. And New York is going to be home in, in the next couple of months. Uh, well, congrats on the move. And um, and I will say tennis is a, a tennis match is a much shorter and easier thing to fit <laughs> into your schedule than a cricket match. <laughs> <laughs> that is fine. <laughs> it goes on that for is... days. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That that conversation did not last very long. So. <laughs> I, I knew what I had to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's fairly clear when your wife says with a certain tone, you know exactly what you need to do. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, a couple couple last marketing questions for you because I, I feel like most marketers are kind of students, and you've you've demonstrated this through everything you've said today, students of what you're, you're doing and how you look about the world. Um, are there brands or companies or, or causes that you follow and you think other people should take notice of? It, there, there are lots of them and um, mm -hmm. it's kind of tough to share a list, but there are some that we use every day. And look, there are a lot of brands that deliver great experiences that have changed our lives. And from the ones that we use every day, from the Amazons and the Netflixes and, and so many, but I find uh, freshly amongst a few others that um, that are starting to focus on the core of life and um, and mm. challenging ourselves to think what kind of experience in our products we're going to launch which will fundamentally change people's lives especially in a world which is becoming so chaotic so fast-paced uh, so nuclear as well in, in in so many ways so there, there's some incredible stories out there and and um, so much focus on sustainability so much focus on what is going to be the state of the world that we're going to leave behind and you know you, you guys saw the beyond meat and stuff that, that went on a couple of weeks back and their mission so much happening in healthcare uh, so many you know disruptors have come on board to challenge the status quo um, so yeah there's a lot of excitement uh, out there as a consumer it's it's a great time to be in um, it's a problem of choices right now. So we all have a have a beautiful journey ahead. So I'm super excited about that. That's great. Well, last question for you. What, where do you see marketing going? What's the future look like? I think, uh, I think I shared a little bit of this earlier, but I feel the future of marketing is in this cross-pollination of of all kinds of disciplines and mindset coming together, you know, data and science and storytelling and tech and numbers and finance and it's no longer you know that that isolated function anymore but the core if i had to put down two core things one is the human uh, within the marketing uh, both internally and externally and i think that is going to be the key focus because um, my my understanding of marketing is it's like a human life you know if you are or an individual if you're authentic if you're true to yourself, 
people around you, your friends and people who don't know you will see through. And if you have a facade, people will cast that as well eventually. So brands really don't have an option but to have a purpose and mission and be authentic. And on the flip side, I think that the future mm-hmm. of marketing will be holding itself accountable for measurable and visible impact. It is no longer about fluff. It is no longer about uh, an ad that makes you laugh, um, you know, in between Super Bowl. But it is an effort um, which is truly meaningful, again, which has a purpose, but it moves the needle. It moves the needle in people's lives, um, within the business, and in the world uh, at large. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been fascinating. Thank you, Alan. This was a brilliant opportunity, and thanks for having me over. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me, with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. and You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.